Welcome into the SBI Podcast. I am Garrett Cleverly. As always, the other co-host of the show is Mr. Ivis Galarsep. What's up, Ivis? You tell me, Garrett. How's it going? You're the one in uh, MLS land right now with uh, spring training kicking oh, off dude, out there in Arizona. I- I'm doing amazing right now. One, I'm not sick anymore, so that's awesome. Two, I, I was chilling today watching the academy teams play. They were also like academy because that's my job. That's what I have to do. And then on field left over here, I, I was watching the Revolution Train. And then on field right, I was watching Real Salt Lake Train. And then on field, you know, XYZ over here, a couple of these, like, really hipster European guys showed up. I mean, and I should know because I'm, I'm kind of a semi-hipster. So I was, you know, checking out what they're wearing. I was like, what are these European hipsters doing here? Then literally five seconds later, Denmark U20 team shows up. I mean, I am in heaven right now watching soccer. Ivis, how are things going for you? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. <laughs> I do have a question for you, though. What's up? As far as what exactly is a European hipster? Because I, th- I feel like if you're European... And you dress that way, then you're just being European. But I, if you're the guy, American, okay, the guy, okay, the guy had on, he had like a like a like a paper boy hat on, and then he had this like really nice white button down polo shirt. Then he had a bow tie, and then he had a cardigan and the tightest pants ever. And he had like the coolest looking shoes I've ever seen. I mean, he was. That, well, that, that's. That, I mean, that's he, pretty much a European uniform for the past twenty years, though. I mean, that's not a new thing. Well, the bow tie and the, I mean, it kind of made it look hipster. He, he looked like a hipster. That was my first thought. They look like hipsters. Get, I think you need to get to Europe a little bit more. You see, you, you'll see that all over the place. I don't need any help with Europe, Ivis. You know that better than anyone. <laughs> <laughs> details, no details. All right. Well, welcome everyone into the show today. What we're going to do today is we have uh, Eddie Johnson, Seattle Sounders forward. He's going to be joining us here in a little bit, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the MLS and the Chivas USA fire cell. But before we go on the show, a little housekeeping. Um, if you guys want to subscribe to us, we are on iTunes. However, though, there is an imposter on iTunes that's that's copying off of us. There's two podcasts you can follow on iTunes, the SBI podcast. One of them has a picture. Do not follow that one. That's a mistake. Follow the one that does not have a picture on it. That one is the one that we will be updating. The one that has a picture, do not follow that one. Some guy named Garrett, won't mention any other names, did not do a proper job of loading that in there correctly into iTunes. So follow the one without the picture. That's the correct one. Right, Ivis? Right. The one with the picture <laughs> is a bootleg uh, out of Arizona. Yeah. Uh, the one you want to follow <laughs> for now is the one without the picture. And hopefully this week we'll get that sorted out. And uh, the, the the good news is that we, we've gotten off to a pretty good start. Uh, we're ranked pretty high there among sports podcasts. I'm sure it was a, a glitch in the matrix or something, but it was still nice to see us there with some some heady company and, and some of the bigger names in uh, sports podcasting. Yes, and uh, we appreciate all the fans and all the support we're getting so far. So subscribe to us at iTunes, and we'll, you know, we'll keep delivering excellent shows to you guys. U.S. Men's National Team, game on Tuesday night against Canada. Uh, great opportunity, Ivis, for a lot of the uh, MLS guys to, to jump on the field for the first time, uh, earn that first cap. I'm excited to see all the opportunities for some of these guys that we've spoken to before and, and other guys we have yet to mention that, that may get their first cap. Right. I mean, it's it's a great opportunity for quite a few players, especially attacking players. Anyone who saw Canada this weekend uh, get demolished by Denmark. Uh, 4-0. 4-0. has to think that uh, some of these forwards are, are going to be chomping at the bit to get on the field there. You know, someone like Will Bruin. And obviously you have veterans like Eddie Johnson who's joining us and Juan Agudelo uh, and Chris Wondolowski as well. But, uh, you know, I, the forwards are going to, you know, you, you would think they should have a field day against a, a young and uh, inexperienced and, and pretty weak Canada defense. You know, Ivis, when I mentioned guys who may be, may earn, be earning their first cap, excuse me, 
I mean, do, are there any guys that you're hearing of that, that we should look at that, that may be playing? I mean, like, for instance, Tally Hall. Is that a guy who might be getting his first cap with the team? Uh, Will Bruin? I mean, are there any guys that you're hearing that, that this may be their first opportunity? Well, well you, you have heard uh, Tally Hall is having a really good camp, uh, by all accounts. So while, while some people – it's pretty clear that he, he came into camp because of Nick Romano. Uh, wasn't wasn't able to get to this camp, but I think he looks like he's made the most of it and looks like he's ready to challenge the two younger goalkeepers, Sean Johnson and Bill Hamid, for playing time in that first match. And uh, someone like uh, Alfredo Morales is a, is a player who, who you, you might have a good chance of seeing. It seems like everybody we talk to, every player we talk to from that camp, when we ask them who, who's doing well, uh, his name comes up. So uh, I think that should, that's something that, that should excite U.S. fans, the fact that Morales is showing so well. And, and when all these young players that are coming in, especially not just MLS players, you know, obviously mixed disc rude is, is someone that, that people have wanted to see in the full senior mix. <laughs> no pun intended. And uh, also <laughs> someone like Alejandro Bedoya, who's been kind of in the national team wilderness for some time now. Mm-hmm. He's back. In, he's back in the fold. So there's quite a few players to, to, to you hope get, get their chances on Tuesday night. You know, and especially when you look at the defense, out of the eight guys that have been called into camp for defense, only three actually have been capped. Uh, A.J. De La Garza, Omar Gonzalez, and Jeff Park. So, in reality, you know, depending on subs, and you assume that they're going to have one other guy starting back there, I mean, you could be looking at, what, maybe three guys on defense earning their first cap? I mean, that's... that's and most of these guys are guys that we, you know, that you look at, especially Ivis. And these are guys that you're already on your on your countdown list for the 2018 World Cup. I, I don't want to go too far ahead, obviously, but I just want to say though that having three guys on defense who may be earning caps for the first time that that's pretty big time. Right. Well, I mean, there's some players when you think about a player like Matt Beesler. I mean, he he yep. he's put himself in a great position, and and we're not talking 2018 for him. We're talking 2014 as a possibility. This is a great opportunity for him. Uh, it looks like it's going to be Beesler and Omar Gonzalez as, as the center back pairing based on what we're hearing out of the camp. Uh, and that's a, that's an exciting duo there when you talk about Beesler, the, the, the reigning defender of the year, Omar Gonzalez, the defender of the year, the, the previous year. So it sounds like they're playing really well together, playing off of each other. You have, you have Beesler on the left side, Omar Gonzalez on the right side. And, and what, what U.S. fans need to realize, and I'm sure by the time this this show drops, uh, some panic will have set in as word starts to circulate that there are quite a few injuries among U.S. Uh, defenders. When you talk about someone like Jeff Cameron, Steve Trundolo, Fabian Johnson, all dealing with some knocks right now. So that, it's kind of it's a little scary when you think about the, the, the Honduras qualifier, the first hex match being so soon now. It's, we're, we're talking j- just about you know a week, a week away. So uh, it, it, that makes this Canada game all that much more important because you have players who – like you said, could be getting their first caps, but could also be getting thrown into the mix down in San Pedro Sula in a week. So, you know, that that makes this game on Tuesday night all that much more important. You know, and the one thing, especially when you look at this roster, is you really only have three veterans on this team. You have Benny Fellharbor, Kyle Beckerman, and Eddie Johnson. It's it's If anyone, you know, said to you that name, name the three veterans on the U.S. men's national team, I think any, people would be hard-pressed to name those guys. But when you look at a guy like Eddie Johnson, though, Ivis, I mean, talk about a renaissance season he had last year to put himself back in the position to be considered for U.S. men's national team where it's no longer, oh, Eddie Johnson got called into camp. It's, okay, did did he get called into camp? It's almost expected. It's amazing what one season for him in MLS did. Absolutely. When you talk about the year he had and the resurrection of his career, I mean, he really hit rock bottom 
when you're talking about having having his, uh, you know, Fulham let him go, the whole fiasco with Puebla that that only hurt his reputation that much more, even though it, it, it basically seems like a pack of lies out of Mexico that uh, that made him look bad. You know, all the talk about him failing a physical, and then he comes to MLS. He they give him a chance. Seattle gives him a chance. <clears throat> he takes that opportunity and makes the most of it. And, and it's a dream year, and, and it's a story that U.S. fans have to love because it's a it's a player who someone who's been through so much, and now here he is uh, back back in the back in action, back on top of his game, and 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 it's exciting to see how what he's going to do this year because uh, it's it's a huge year for him. Yeah, big year for him. Uh, big potential up in Seattle with Montero gone. I mean, Eddie can really establish himself as the striker up there. And, and, and he still has a great opportunity, especially with the U.S. Mas- US men's national team. Excuse me, Because um, when you look at the picture of the strikers with the U.S. men's national team, I mean, Eddie Johnson's size and speed, you know, the only other player that might have that is Josie Altidore. But other than those two guys, you really kind of have no one else with, with, with the positioning that he has. I mean, is that, is that safe to say, Ivis? Well, no, he's, he's definitely a unique player uh, when, when you talk about the, the speed, the ability to take people on. And, and as he's shown uh, last last year, you know, you can play him out wide. He can go at people. He can get on the end of crosses. Uh, he, he's part of this crop of, of, of really athletically gifted and skilled forwards, Josie Altador being another one, and the young one in Terrence Boyd, who I, who I think is, is due for some big things as well. It's exciting to see the attacking options that are there, and Eddie Johnson absolutely is going to be a key factor for the national team this year. And speaking of uh, Eddie Johnson, as promised, he now joins us on the line from U.S. Men's National Team Camp in Houston. Eddie, how you doing today? Good, and you? I'm doing excellent. How is uh, camp going so far? How does it feel to be back uh, in the mix for the U.S. Men's National Team? Um, first of all, it's always an honor and a privilege to uh, you know be a part of the national team. Um, it's something that you know I, I'm very familiar with, and it's an it's an opportunity that you don't want to take for granted. So uh, um, it, it it says a lot of about how much you know all of us individually accomplished last year in MLS, and uh, it's a chance for us to uh, make make our mark and show a good impression on the coach in this very important year coming up where there's a lot of qualifier games and uh, the Gold Cup to try and put ourselves in a position to be a, a part of the team and make an impact on the team. Now, Eddie, you uh, you you made your way back into the national team uh, last fall. Um, it, in this camp, there's a lot of new faces. There's a lot of uh, players who don't have that national team experience. Do you feel yourself being a veteran in this camp? I mean, you're the guy other players are kind of asking about what to expect in these kind of games. Um, yeah. Um... You know, I look at uh, I look at the, the roster one through uh, 23, um, and uh, you know, I'm one of the guys who has you know the most caps. But uh, when you're out on the field competing, you don't see yourself as a veteran guy. But then you, like you say, you start to look around the field, and uh, <clears throat> you got young forwards, you know, playing a strategy like Will Bruin and uh, one <clears throat> Aguadella, just doing like finishing drills and playing and and uh, pairing up with the different strikers in the camp, you know, uh, the younger guys start to ask questions, and then that's when, you know, the reality sinks in that, you know, you know, I'm getting a lot older, and, you know, there's a lot of new faces coming in. But, uh, yeah, I've, I've tried to, you know, um, give a lot of, you know, positive influence um, uh, on, on, on Will, who's, who's an up-and-coming good good striker, works really hard, you know, had a really good year this year in the MLS, and uh, he's a guy that wants to learn. He's always willing to learn. He's always asking questions, and uh, 
you know, Juan Aguadela has a bright future as well. We all know um, he came onto the national team at a young age and, uh, you know, dealing with that pressure and, and just trying – and trying how and how to stay consistent. So you know, it's been a it's been a good camp, been a good competitive camp. But yeah, you know, I definitely do look at myself as a veteran and uh, you know one that um, one that wants to you know show that that uh, that veteran uh, uh, leadership in, in the game coming up uh, on on Tuesday. So, so Eddie, uh, just you know, you have this game going coming up on Tuesday against Canada, um, but then the qualifiers are right around the corner and. Uh, this game, most of the players in this camp realize that this is their chance to be on that team that goes to Honduras. Have you have you have you thought about what that that experience could be like getting back into that mix? Obviously, you've been in those qualifying situations before. Have you even allowed yourself the the the, the ability to kind of look that far ahead, or, or, or are you still kind of just looking at t- a Tuesday night? Well, um, you know, our coach Jurgen's made it really clear of us. You know, it's going to be a very long year it's going to be a lot of games um there's going to be a lot of opportunities and uh you know for me um you know one of the thing things i've i've learned uh and that helped me out and that benefited me last season was uh not looking too far ahead and just trying to focus on what's ahead of you and uh right now the Canada game's ahead of me and uh you know that's been my main focus you know how can i prepare myself in these three weeks to get as fit as i can to be as sharp as i can and uh um uh, work as hard as I can to put myself in a position to go out there and make an impact on, on Tuesday. So I know if um, if it's starting the game or if it's coming off the bench and if I write down all my goals and, I'm, and if I go in the game and I feel like I did X, Y, and Z, what I wrote down, I know I put myself in a good position to, to be a part of that uh, that that team uh, on February 6th. So um, right now, you know, I'm not looking too far ahead on um, February 6th. You know, the game right now that I'm, that I'm focused on and uh, – you know, it's been a good three weeks. We worked hard. Um, you know, I mean, we're looking forward to you know letting all of our hard work pay off on Tuesday night. Now, this is mostly a MLS team uh, that's in camp. Uh, a lot of the, the, the more regular European players like Clint Dempsey and, and, and Tim Howard and Michael Bradley are not in camp, but there's still quite a bit of talent on this team. Who who, who has impressed you in camp? Who's kind of caught your eye? Maybe guys that you've played against, but getting to see them up close day, day in and day out. Are there guys that have stood out to you that, that maybe have impressed you the most? Um, well, yeah, that's, that's a good question. Um, you know, a lot of the MLS players I'm, I'm, I'm mostly familiar with, but, uh, you know, some of the guys that have impressed me that I, I haven't saw a lot of, but in camp, uh, you know, who's made a good impression on me is uh, um, Alfredo Morales, a uh, young uh, German uh, player who's playing at, at uh, Hertha Berlin. Um and uh, Josh, um, he's playing in um, over in Scandinavia, in, Nor- in Norway, and um, 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 Mix is another Mix is another uh, midfielder who's playing in Norway as well, who's uh, really uh, stood out. You know, getting to see those guys in a day-to-day, week-in-week environment. You know, because I don't really get a chance to see him and watch him play in Europe. They, they, they've really stuck out. But pretty much all the MLS-based players, I'm pretty much familiar with. And uh, you know, it's been a good, it's been a good, uh, it's been a good camp. Um, you know, everyone's worked really hard. Everyone's done really well. And uh, we've really been pushing each other to the max to, you know, prepare ourselves for this game. And uh, uh, it's going to be some tough decisions. You know, come, uh, you know, um, you know, um, kickoff time. You know, because I feel like everyone's worked hard and everyone's put a shift in. And uh, you know, made the coach's uh, decision and, and hard and what, what group of players have done on the field on Tuesday. 
Eddie, when, when you came back over and you joined the Seattle Sounders of the MLS, uh, you know, you definitely, you know, reemerged as, as, as a striker that you once were. What was it like coming back with Seattle with that fan base and, and playing up there? How, how did that help you out? Um, it was a bit bittersweet, um, um, more, to, more to say, because they trade with uh, Facito and Lamar Nagel, um, Nagel, um Lamar Nagel, you know, being a homegrown player, which was a fan favorite, and, and Facito was a fan favorite, and then me coming back where things didn't go well in Europe, you know, there was going to be a lot of, you know, questioning on questioning on, on Coach Ziggy's uh, decision and Adrian, the, the, the owner's decision, and Chris Henderson. Um, so there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of perceptions out there. Um, and, uh, you know, it took me a while to find my feet. But once I found, found my feet, you know, um, and started scoring goals, the, the fans, they got they got behind me. And, uh, you know, it was a great year. You know, I um, couldn't ask for a better organization to come back and play for and, and fan base to play in front of. You know, Seattle's great. They've been really great to me. Coach Ziggy has been a man of his words. Said he's going to give me every opportunity to come back and play, but I was going to have to earn it. So I put my head down and and uh, working with our strengthening coach, Dave Tanney, who I was with in Kansas City when I had my career before I went to Europe, getting back with him and, you know, working on the things that we used to work, you know, work on and, uh, you know, re, you know, evaluate my body and learning my body again and, uh, you know, how how to, you know, play, a, you know, a full season and recover without getting injured. So, like, you know, it was coming back. It was coming back to a situation where I know it was a good situation where I, I knew some. I, I knew Chris Henderson. I, I was uh, um, a the strengthening coach that I worked with in Kansas City was there, and uh, Coach Ziggy. You know, from day one, said you know he was going to be up front with me. Uh, that if I worked hard, he's going to give me every opportunity to, to to play and get myself back in, in, in the national team. And he was a man of his word. And uh, you know, my my showcasing on the field was just a you know, um, just to respect and pay him back for giving me an opportunity to play soccer again. Now, and Eddie, uh, it's, fu- it's funny that you mentioned the, the Lamar Nagel and, and Mike Fusito, part of that trade. Uh, word came out today that, that Lamar Nagel's back with Seattle now. So uh, I guess you're a little off the hook now for, for, for that part of it now that he's back in town. But uh, also this offseason, yeah. uh, Fred, uh, this offseason, Freddie Montero has obviously left the club. So now you have Lamar coming in, Freddie leaving. Uh, so even more pressures on you now to be the man, uh, same as last year. Uh, can you talk about just that that move and and do you see it, it affecting you much? Or is it do you feel like you're gonna have to produce that much more and put a few more goals in next year? Um, I think I've had pressure all my career. You know, just being a 17 year old, I don't think the pressure is any different from when I was 17 when I first turned pro into now when I'm 28. I think if anything. Um, I, I know how to deal with the pressure now. Um, I think 28 years old right now. I've had 11. I've been a professional for 11 years, and I've been through the ups. I've been through the good. I've been through the bad, and I've uh, been able to balance now and, and find that ba- find that balance. And uh, I think I'm at the age right now where, where um, you know I, I'm I'm ready for the pressure. Um, not to say that I wasn't, um, you know, three four years ago, but I think I'm. I'm at an age right now where I understand the game a lot more. Um, going over to Europe definitely made me a better player, even though uh, it didn't go as well as planned. But it, you know, I, I got a better understanding of the game. Uh, I learned the game a lot better. You know, my movement, my movement off the ball, my touch on the ball, my you know, my awareness on the field. Um, and uh, you know, um, I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be a, a, another good year. And, and having Lamar back um, for one, I think that's a you know a, a great. A, uh, acquiry for us um 
we played Montreal this year, and he had a good showing when he came on the field, and it was good to, good to see him get on the field. And, uh, you know, um, he actually scored a goal in that game, and uh, I know he's going to be a big – play a big, uh, important role um, back in, in, in Seattle for us, and I know the fans are going to be happy that he's coming back. And uh, the whole Freddie Montero thing, um, you know, it's uh, – um, it's uh, it's you know, how I said it. You know, me in the off season, I me in the off season, I really didn't, I really don't, I really shut off. I don't really pay attention to much that goes on in soccer and stuff. I kind of just deal with everything when I come back during preseason. But I heard the news and and it's kind of because uh, I thought we were we were starting to um, we were starting to form a, a, a good partnership on on the field uh, towards the second part of the season and. Uh, you know, for whatever reasons, if uh, you know, I think he's probably at a, um, you know, at, at a time in his career where he won different challenges. Um, um, I think uh, he's been at, at the organization for four years, and uh, you know, he's done many good things at the club. Uh, he's he's been the face of the club. He scored many goals. You know, he the fans they, they love him, but you know, it's just like any other striker. Um, sometimes you want a different uh, challenge in your life, and I think uh, you know, he's 26 years old, and he's got a age age in his his career where um you know um you know he wants to challenge himself else, elsewhere but uh you know he's a fantastic player a great player one of, one of the best players has all of the ability that I've ever played with and uh, I know he's going to do well he's going to have a fantastic career he's going to do well in Colombia but uh you know it's been fun to play with him again this year but uh, you know this is a business this is how soccer is you know one minute you're, you're you can be playing with someone and then the next minute you're somewhere else but uh, I wish him all the best and uh, like I said I know he's going to do well. And uh, you know, I'm I'm happy for him, and and, and he's 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 a good good he's a good good guy. He has good people behind him, so I know whatever decision he makes, he's making the right decisions for himself. Eddie, you mentioned before that when when you went to Europe, you learned a lot about yourself and and, and how to be a professional athlete. You know, when you look back on it now. You know, and you look back on the year that you had with the Sounders, where you earned the call back up to the U.S. men's national team, and you look back on Europe. I mean, what, what's your take now on Europe, and, and what have you really learned from it? You know, if you had to kind of redo it over again, I mean, w- would you do anything differently? Yeah, um, if I can, if I can do it all over again, it'll be second guessing my my own ability. I think that's one of the things that killed me because it's like like any other player when you don't have confidence and you feel like the, the manager doesn't or the other gaffer doesn't have any confidence in you anymore. You start to second guess your own ability, and uh, you know my my whole mindset right now is um, you know I miss opportunity. It's, you know it's not you know, looking down on myself or or uh, you know if 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 I miss trap the ball, it's not. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure I trap the ball right this time when I can probably turn and beat a defender. But I'm trying to play safe because I don't want to make any mistakes. Because I feel like if I make mistakes, I'm gonna come off the field. You know, and if I can just go back and if my mind frame was the way it is right now, because there's no doubt in my mind that I know a a I can play over in the Premiership. I can I can score goals in the Premiership. Um, Danny Murphy was was a big uh, influence on me when I was uh, at Fulham. You know, and he always would tell me, you know, uh, he'd always compare me to some of the other top strikers that he played with. He'd tell me I've had, I had this uh, that another striker didn't have. I have this and, you know, play play, play, play confidence, play free, you know. And he always saw something in me uh, that, I didn't, that I didn't see myself at the time when I didn't have confidence. But I wouldn't change anything. The only thing I'd change is, you know, uh, you know, you know, if my confidence could have been a lot higher when, when, when the manager didn't have faith in me no more or – or um, if, if if things didn't go the way I you know I was to keep working instead of 
instead of thinking that it doesn't matter how hard I work, I'm never going to get a chance again. So um, it's that uh, that never, never give up mentality. If I had that like I have now and just to, to keep going and then I'm going to go out and I'm going to work hard and I'm going to put my head down. And, and uh, uh, at the end of the day, um, you know, hard work, hard work uh, pays off. That's why I always say hard work, dedication on my Twitter, because in reality, it doesn't matter how much talent you got, you know, hard work, I'll be talent any day. So if I can just change, I could have just changed that and figured that out when I was over there, I'd have been perfectly fine. Now, Eddie, when you, you left uh, Europe and, and you came, made your way back over to North America, uh, quite a few things happened. You, you, at one point you were negotiating with MLS and it sounded like there was a deal pretty close. And then it sounded like mm-hmm. you, you changed your mind and, and decided not to sign with the league. And then you, you you went down to Mexico, and obviously well documented uh, situation with Puebla, where you where you, you were on trial with them, and 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 then they it seemed like they for whatever reason decided to circulate a story that that you had failed a physical. Well, was that whole kind of scene? Was that whole kind of sequence? Was that a, was that the low point of things for you? And 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 I mean, how, how hopeless did it did it feel to kind of just have to fight that type of stuff again? You know, when you, when you talk about this rumor. And then MLS and kind of passing on MLS. Can you just talk about that whole scenario? Yeah, um, yeah. I had a, I had a quite a bit going on at the time, uh, even before that. You know, when I when I was released by Fulham and my contract was up and they didn't sign me, I came back. And uh, at the time I was coming back, one of my close cousins passed away. So from a um, from an emotional standpoint, you know, I was kind of, you know, I was kind of you know, out of it, you know, I was, uh, I took a break away from soccer. It took three, four months off. And then I started working back out, um, down at IMG. And then I got a call from DeMarcus Beasley and he said, would you be interested in coming to play for Puebla? And so I've played in Greece where, where the economy is not so good and you, you don't get paid on time. And so I've heard stories about the Mexican league where the, the lower teams, you don't get paid on time. And, you know, I don't want to deal. I don't want to have to deal with all of this stuff, but DeMarcus, DeMarcus vouched for the club, and he said a lot of good things about the club, so he convinced me to come. So I wasn't on trial. I signed a contract. I signed a contract, and then when I signed the contract, the owner wasn't the owner of the club wasn't in Mexico at the time, so he never had signed signed off on the contract. The technical director, or the GM of the club, however, wanted to sign a Mexican striker, but Osorio, the coach at the time, wanted me. So Osorio and the the technical director didn't see eye to eye. So the technical director was good friends with the owner. And so the the technical director made up all of these things about me, oh, that I wasn't fit, I wasn't this, I wasn't that. And so that's why they backed off on the contract. I never took a physical. I never failed a physical. I went and played in Europe and uh, one of the, the quote-unquote, the best league in the world in the English Premier League. And they 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 their physicals are like the, the, the best physicals that you can probably test. Take. They they see everything from your 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 health, your your ligaments, your joints, and everything. And and I've never had any knock on wood bad career in, uh, career injury. So failing the physical was something that they probably put in the press that was very false. Uh, the bottom line was it was that uh, the coach and the technical director what didn't see eye to eye, and so that's why they called the deal off. Right. Okay. All right. Well, as far as 2012, uh, when you did come back, you had a big year with uh, Seattle and now with the national team. And now here we are in 2013, and, and it seems like this year is shaping up to be a really big one for you, not only with Seattle, with with, champ, uh, with everything going on with the Sounders, but also with the national team, with the Hex. Have you, have you thought about this year and what this year can mean for you in general? I know you said you don't like to look far ahead, but 
you have to see this year as your chance to really put yourself on back to it to the same level you were before. I mean, have you thought about that? Yeah, my, you know, I'm, I'm 28 right now. You know, uh, um, I'm, I'm getting up there, and you know, one of my things to me, I want to prove myself is that uh, you know I can, you know, uh, that I can be a consistent striker. Um, and so last year is out of the the window for me, and now 2013 is, is different goals, different expectations for myself, and um, uh, you know, how do I go about you know you know reaching those expectations and those goals? Um, yeah, there's a lot of games coming with the national team. Um, like I said, the, the hex, the qualifiers, the, the Gold Cup. But uh, if, if I'm not doing it on a, on, a, on a day-to-day basis, week-in and week-out basis in, in Seattle, I know all of those 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 dreams won't be a reality. So um, you know, for me, you know, I want to get as much as out of this game uh, against Canada, uh, like I said, and put myself in a position to to to, to play in the next game. And then when I go back with my team in, in Seattle, I want to. You know, start the season off well, um, win, winning games with my team and scoring goals, and uh, you know, hopefully put myself in a position to be a part of the you know the rest of the games throughout uh, 2013. But I'd be lying if I said that uh, you know, you know, being back on the national team wasn't one of my goals. Of course, it's everyone's goals, especially if you if you played in the World Cup before and and if you put on that shirt and you know what the meaning is on uh, putting on that shirt and and uh, that that feeling. You know, it, it's, it's it's something that. Uh, you know, you know, words can't express, you know, how, to, how that feels. But, uh, you know, like I said, I'm happy where I am right now, uh, you know, and, and with my life um, uh, and where I am in soccer. And uh, for me, I'm just trying to get better and better every year until uh, my day, until my day's done. Well, Eddie, thank you so much for jumping on the show today. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, good luck going forward with everything. And uh, good luck with the U.S. men's national team and the Seattle Sounders this season, all right? Uh, thanks for reaching out, man. I appreciate it. I, I have to say, that interview with Eddie Johnson w- was amazing. I mean, some of the stuff that he talked about, I, I unbelievable interview by Eddie. I mean, it was, what, a, what a great guest to have on the show. No, he's, he's got a, an amazing story. He's grown up so much. I yeah. mean, any, anyone who, who, who had the chance to talk to him early in his career, as he mentioned, you know, he, he came in MLS as a teenager, and he, and he really you know had to grow up in, the, in that bubble of, of, of expectation and he obviously was a, a part of the national team mix at an early age, <clears throat> and, and that person to the person that you find now when you talk to him, uh, I mean, he's the, the maturity that he shows now, and and the, and the way that he can look at his career and his life and really have a great perspective on it. I mean, it's night and day, and I mean, you know, that comes with it. That comes with age and, and experience and maturity. But you really see someone there who, who who realizes the opportunity he has now, and and you just don't you just don't get the sense he's gonna he's let this one slip away. To put it in perspective, uh, because when Eddie said, oh, you know, I'm one of the older guys, I, I had to double take on that for a second. So so I looked it up here. His first international goal for the U.S. men's national team came on October 10th, 2004 in 2006 World Cup, World Cup qualifying. That is a long time ago. 2004. I mean, just to give, put it in perspective, yes. I think Juan Agudelo was 11 when, yeah, when, uh, that's, when Eddie Johnson scored his first goal. So there you go. I think I was... 14. I was 14 when that happened. Damn, that is a long time ago. Well, man, spe- man, you're young. I might have actually been at the game, so I, covering it. So oh man, I know. I, 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 as long as I can make you feel old every single show, that's what I'm all about. Um, speaking of the uh, U.S. men's national team, though, the Hex game's coming up, and uh, obviously they're going to be calling in some of the bigger guns for that game. 
Uh, you know, another stellar week for the Americans abroad. Great to see the guys get on get on the scoring sheet, right? Well, it's the same too. It seems like it's twenty thirteen. Hey, those uh, are the guys that we need to score, though. Absolutely, Clint Dempsey and, and Josie Altidore just cannot stop scoring. And you know, if the defense has its issues, like some people are worried that it might be the case, uh, those two are looking like like they'll be able to put some goals in the net and keep the U.S. Uh, where they need to be in qualifying. Yeah, and uh, I want to take credit for Josie's goal because I asked him about that in the previous show, and I said, hey, how about we hear Born in the USA again uh, for that VV Venmo game? And he's like, no, 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 you know, I just want to play my game. He scored. So I'm taking credit for that goal, Ivis. Well, I think it was actually your question about how he maintains his on fire <laughs> because it's clear that his on fire is still going on. Yeah, so, he is, yeah. Go. Josie is still on fireness. God, that was a hor- yeah, hor- hor- horrible question that I asked. But, uh, you know, we could Trademark talk that and put it on a T-shirt. Yeah. You know, we could talk a little more more about the U.S. men's national team. That Hex game, uh, you know, very important that the U.S. men's national team, um, you know, starts off on the right foot. You know, obviously, I mean, there's not much else to say about them. I mean, they have to start off on the right foot um, with that game. We'll talk more about that game as that game approaches. Um, let's transition, though, over to the MLS side of action. Uh, Chivas USA fire sale going on right now. Ivis, what's going on? Well, as you kind of expected, when when uh, the the owner, whoever got bought the team outright and pretty much told everybody that he planned to bring the Mexican roots back to Chivas USA, we we are seeing that now in the moves that they've made. We obviously saw it at the draft with them with them drafting Mexican American Carlos Alvarez ahead of you know quite a few players that, that would have gone ahead of him by most teams. But and now the, the another big move for them is. They've traded away their number one draft pick from 2012, Casey Townsend, a first-round pick, a high first-round pick. Yep. They've managed to trade him away for a 2014 second-round pick, which, you know, it, it's pretty much they're just looking to get rid of the Gringos as fast as they can. Yeah, um, since October, six players uh, have, 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 been, have been gone. You have Juan Pablo on hell gone, uh, Peter Vagenas, uh, and then Danny Califf, Alejandro Moreno, uh, Labroca, and Townsend. I mean, they're they're all gone. And, and then, and then, speaking of guys who are also gone, now Shari Joseph apparently is not in the plans for the club. It's it's amazing what they're doing by getting rid of some of these guys because they don't have that Mexican American root. I mean, Ivis, what do you what's your take on all this? I mean, do you think this is a good or bad thing for the league? Here's my thing, and I know a lot of people are outraged by it, and a lot of people are questioning the legality of it. And, and my, that doesn't – the whole plan itself doesn't drive me too crazy. I understand what they're trying to do. You get why they want to do it. They want to attract a certain audience there. There's a large Mexican-American population there in the Los Angeles area that they feel they can they can have embrace them if they, if they build a team this way. My issue is if you're going to do it that way, if, if you want to build a team that way, you can't just throw away resources because, you know, they don't fit your mold. I mean, for me, giving away Casey Townsend is a joke. I mean, for, for what they what D.C. United paid, I mean, they robbed Chivas USA for Casey Townsend. They robbed him. Second-round pick in 2014 is a joke. Uh, when, when you talk about Shalry Joseph, I mean, he, they're going to have to give him away now that everybody knows that, you know, they don't want him. So that hurts the value. Uh, the same thing at the, with the number two, with the draft, the way they handled the draft. Carlos Alvarez, they could have made a trade and, and traded down and pocketed some allocation money, but once again, they didn't know what they were doing. So, so my thing is this. I don't have as much problem with, it, with their idea of wanting to build a Mexican-American team, but when you make so many mistakes in that process, 
is it's like you're doomed to fail. You know what I mean? Like, so that, that's the sense that I get now. I mean, even look at, I mean, Dan Kennedy. Dan Kennedy is their best player. Yep. And as far as I know, from my sources, he was on the verge of being traded this past week, very close to getting traded. The team that they were in negotiations with hesitated long enough to give them, let them have second thoughts about it, second thoughts about it. And now the trade was pulled off the table. And now you're hearing uh, their, their head coach talk about Dan Kennedy being the captain and, and, and they want to build around him. And even though everything, everything that I've heard is that they want to bring in a Mexican goalkeeper. So you just wonder. My thing is this. If you want to build your team of mostly Mexican-Americans and Mexican players, okay, do that. But when, when you completely drop the ball left and right, I mean, that, it, it's just putting themselves in an even, even bigger hole to try to be a, a successful team in this league. No, and I agree. You're right. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it's it's their money that they're putting into the club. It's, I don't have any money invested into it, and you have no money invest, invested into it either. So I mean, we really can't say, oh, well, you're right, you're wrong, because it's their money, it's their club. But at the same time, though, it, it's like what you said. I mean, you know, they also may be significantly losing a, a group of fans in L.A. that, that may – want to identify with the team but may not be able to identify with the team now it's 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 quite interesting I mean I'm still convinced that Chivas USA needs to move and go somewhere else maybe uh, <coughs> San Diego or <coughs> Phoenix Arizona um, but if they want to stay in LA and, and be like the Clippers well I mean that's that's their call if they want to do that and I just don't see things going well for them ever well I tell you right now MLS is not putting a team in San Diego I, I think we talked about this before but I think Club T won't want to the Mexican team, Club Tijuana, has San Diego on lock. Uh, I think it'd be crazy right now for anyone to even think about San Diego. Uh, but, you know, again, this goes back to it. Chivas USA, if that's the plan, do it. But you have to, I mean, be smart about it. I mean, you can't go giving away Casey Townsend. You can't give away Nick LaBroca, who I think is a quality player. Obviously, they, they, they you know, he wasn't going to resign with them or they didn't want to resign him. Uh, you know, you give him, you give him away for Eric Avila, who... You know, while he's a skilled player and he fits their mold of Mexican-American, he's not worth the value of Nick LaBroca. And it's along those lines. So they're building this kind of laundry list of bad moves. And now if they and if they trade Dan – I tell you what, the, the, if they trade Dan Kennedy and they trade him for 10 cents on the dollar, they are, they're going to be the worst team in the league. I mean, they might already <laughs> be the worst team in the league, but they could be all-time bad. I mean, because he – Dan Kennedy – Ivis, 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 wait, 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 Ivis. Who is the worst team in the league then? Well, well, well. Toronto FC was last year, but Toronto FC, I get the sense that they're they're doing some taking some good steps. Okay, okay, uh, okay. Let's say the let's say we flash forward to the end of the season. Who will be the worst team in the league? I haven't thought about it that much, but it's hard to see oh, anyone. Come on, man! Come on, man! I'm trying to but put hey, you on listen, the spot listen, here. The point I'm making is Dan Kennedy alone gives you. He he probably because of him, Chivas USA got half the points they got because of the outrageous saves that he makes on a regular basis. And if they trade him, I don't care what Mexican goalkeeper they get, short of Memo Ochoa, that it's it's going to be a downgrade, and they're going to be even worse. It's scary. It's scary. It's scary to think how bad that team's going to be if they continue this whole dismantling. Well, you know, in in based off how they're seeing how they're unloading their their other players for almost nothing. I mean, you have to see. I'm assuming that there's teams out there that are just licking their chops, going, wait, 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 wait. What can we get Dan Kennedy for at the bare minimum? Um, type of thing, but uh, you know, as as I always say on the show, there's certain things that you and I could talk about forever, and Chivas USA is one of those things. And uh, I will I will transition the uh, the conversation into something a little more positive. Uh, I don't mean to make this a Seattle Sounders show, yet it seems like it is. 
Um, Lamar Nagel is heading back uh, to Seattle. I mean, great move uh, by Seattle to pick him up and, you know, fan favorite. And, you know, I was yet to assume that the Seattle fans are going to be happy, one, that he's back. And also the other thing, too, is he picks up uh, the international roster spot um, to, for the end of the season, though. But, you know, what do you think of this move uh, for Seattle to go back and get that player that was such a big fan favorite? Well, if anything, I think it just shows how bad that trade. It just makes the the trade that landed at Matty Johnson that much worse. Because I mean, it's funny because at the time there there were some people, especially in Seattle, who didn't like the idea of of, of Mike Fusito and Lamar Nagel being traded. They were both fan favorites, mm-hmm. and at that and at that point, Eddie Johnson, you know, was at a low point in his career, and 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 people didn't didn't have so much faith in him turning things around. Obviously, it became one of the trades of the year if not the trade of the year. Now Seattle brings Nagel back. And, and, you know, Nagel showed a few flashes here and there in Montreal, but he struggled. But he's still a quality player, talented player, fits right in there, gives them another another speed option uh, on their team. Uh, I, I think Seattle, you know, w- w- despite the fact that they're losing Montero, they have so much talent on that team. They, they took that next step of winning a playoff series. Uh, now you want to see, you get the sense they, they, they still have a big move lined up. Yeah, you want to see where they go as far as designated player out, uh, but they're they're for me they're going to be a big team this year again, and and I think they they could depending on who they sign as a, as a big big money player, it could be right there in the championship mix. Yeah, well, that, obviously that'll make Seattle Sounders fans happy. You know, uh, the farthest they've ever gone in the playoffs was this past season, and you got to hope that you know they, they got a taste of it and, and they only want more. Uh, one other thing that that I want I want to touch on real quickly is uh, the Houston Dynamo. You put this on your website just recently. Um, Omar Cummings and Corey Ash, things are not looking good for them. I mean, they might miss the start of the season after undergoing uh, surgeries to repair some knee issues. Ivis, that's not looking good for the Dynamo right now. Well, it, it's not, but if, if, if you want it to happen now, so I, I, the way they made it, they reported it is these are minor surgeries. They should be back for around the start of the season. And let's face it, the Houston Dynamo, if they get off to a slow start, it doesn't matter. They've already shown that the last few years that, you know, all they need to do is get in the playoffs and they're going to do their damage. Uh, if anything, I think this year kind of works out in a way because it's going to give some other players a chance uh, to, to to show Dom Kinnear what they can do. When you talk about a rookie like Jason Johnson, mm-hmm. now he's going to get more reps and training. He's going to get a chance to really show what he can do in, in preseason games in place of Omar Cummings. And then when, obviously with Corey Ash, you know, you have a, a rookie like Jimmy Nealis and, and also players who are coming back, someone like Warren Craval, they're going to have their chances to show what they can do at left back. So while you don't want to go into your opener, Houston's opener against D.C. United without two projected starters like that, it, it's not the end of the world. Houston is too good a team, too deep a team, and, and I think they'll be just fine. Yeah, I'm just one of those where anytime anything with a knee injury I hear about, I I always just get you know I'm one of those I always I always just fear for the worst because you know joints and stuff like that they're just you know you always see things like oh they'll be back in four weeks and you know that four weeks becomes six weeks and that six weeks then becomes eight weeks and stuff like that and you know you obviously don't want to see guys getting injured or any bad stuff happening um, like that. Uh, Ivis Red Bulls, what what's going? I mean they they announced their head coach though, but what's going on? Uh, with Paulo Sousa, I, I know some developments have have uh, obviously developed on that and on why he didn't get the head coaching position. What was up with that? Well, the the New York Post, uh, Brian Lewis reported that uh, Paulo Sousa accepted the job, was taking the job, and then had his uh, work permit denied uh, for whatever reason. And uh, you know that it, it definitely falls in line with everything that was going on at the time a week ago. 
as I reported, you know, at the time back then that he had accepted the job. Everything that I had heard was that he was taking the job and he did take the job, but it, it, it remains unclear what happened, why he was denied a work permit, but that now you can definitely understand why the Red Bulls were less scrambling the way they were, why they ultimately had to, to you know, had to go with Mike Petke just based on the timing of things and, and the amount of time left before the start of the season. Uh, so, so in, in a way, it's a bad, it's a bit of bad luck for the Red Bulls, for, you know, to, to have their their choice fall through the way it has. But now it's a, now it's Mike Petke's opportunity to make the most of that and and to show that that he's a good hire. And and I know people in New York love the hire. The Red Bulls fans love Mike Petke, and he can do no wrong. Uh-huh. I I still have reservations personally because he does not have experience at all. I mean, we're talking about a coach who didn't even run any any practices. Uh, under the previous coach. I mean, he was on the staff, but he's, he does not have experience. And, and I, th- I think it's, you know, people, uh, you know, it's a great, it's, there's a great story there. You know, he's a local guy. The, the narrative is perfect. You know, he's the local hero. He can save the day. People love yeah. stories. Exactly. But people need to look, look at it a little more realistically and, and, and ask themselves, you know, can he get it done as a coach? And then there's uh, some serious questions there. Uh, and and we're gonna find out soon enough. Oh, oh, yes, we will find out because when the Red Bulls come down to Arizona, I will be watching them at the Desert Diamond Cup, and I will be uh, cheering them on on their way to winning the Desert Diamond Cup trophy to add the, uh, to their list of uh, trophies from uh, minor tournaments. So I mean, I, I will be letting you know, Ivis, about what's going on down there with his coaching ability. Nice. I, I hope you can take some pictures of yourself in a Terry Henry jersey and scarf. That, that'd be a nice look for you. Oh my God! Last year. I, I had to share this story. So last year, the media guys, they looked at us before Andre came up, and they're like, okay, you can ask this, you can ask this. Don't ask him anything about Barcelona. First question, someone goes, would you ever go back to Barcelona? And Andre just was like, why you ask me this question? I don't know why you want this to know this answer. It's over. It's done with. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> was it Was it as funny as your Terry Henry accent? Because <laughs> that was pretty funny. That was my, that was my French accent. What do you think about that? That definitely was your generic French guy accent because that wasn't that sounded zero like Terry Henry. Hey, I'm trying to bring some culture to this show. I don't know about you. <laughs> You're failing miserably. Yeah, I know, I know, I am. I know, I am. Oh man, I'm digging a hole right now. Well, that wraps it up for the uh, SBI podcast. We want to thank everyone for listening today. Uh, we want to thank Eddie Johnson for joining us. Um, Ivis, as we wrap up the show, any final things uh, that you need to uh, mention? Well, first, I just want to thank everyone who's been listening to the show. Uh, you know, we've gotten off to a great start here. And if you're still listening at this point, this is our long. This has to be our longest show ever. So, thank you for still listening at this point, and we're going to keep trying to bring you uh, great guests and and, and great content uh, from here on out. Yes, and and we, Ivis and I want to do this show um, for you fans. I mean, so so if you guys have suggestions or, or any ideas, I mean, please let us know. I mean, we we read the comments of what you guys say and. And, you know, we want this show, you know, we, we want to involve you guys as much into the show. And, and we're working on some things here where we could have uh, more more involvement from you guys uh, in the future as, as we get the show a little more developed. And, uh, you know, subscribe to us on iTunes. Um, you know, we, we appreciate and everyone sti- that's done that. Stitcher? Yeah. And, oh, yes, yes, yes. And we are on Stitcher now, too. Um, we we, we fi- finally figured that out. Uh, and so so subscribe to us on there. And, we, you know, we, Ivis and I, we, you know, we, we, we appreciate all the, all, the, all the support that we've gotten so far. Thank you, everyone. And that wraps it up for the uh, for the show today. Also, I will be in Tampa Bay uh, Tuesday night. If anyone knows of a good bar so I can watch you as a men's national team game at, let me know. I will be there, and I will drink with you guys and watch that game. Think about that. Garrett Cleverly in the flesh. How cool would that be, Ivis? Well, 
you should already know that the soccer bar in Tampa is McDenton's, which is I mean, any self-respecting U.S. fan that has gone down there for games knows that that's okay, the spot. Okay, one, I've never and, been in Tampa Bay, and two, I turned 21 about three days ago, okay? Right, like you never drank before you turned 21. I never anyway, drank. You, hey, my mom back. and dad listened to this, dude. Come on. I don't think you can get in trouble at this point. But, again, <laughs> Garrett's going to be in Tampa. Uh, check him out. Uh, give, give him some suggestions. I love that Tampa's a great city, and, and I'm sure he's going to have a great time there. Yes, and if Alexi Lawless walks in the bar, that's me. It's not Alexi. Just want to let everyone know. Right. Garrett is the one in the Frankie Hater throwback. <laughs> that's a good one, Ivis. Well, that wraps it up for the show today. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Eddie Johnson. For Ivis, this is Garrett. This is the SBI Podcast. Yeah. Thanks for listening. From her steps to her set, she is. So death might not let me live. You did fresh. Uh huh. Yes, she is. Had a feeling that it would be a day like this. The orchestra.